And awesome. We are live. This is episode 71 of the SG Podcast. I'm here with Robert Wright from PrivateLabelProtection.com. Rob, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Awesome, Rob. Really interested to get into this chat for a few reasons. We were talking a little bit off air. Yeah. Um, we do have, you know, some things uh, related entrepreneurship, uh, the practice yeah. of law. So I'm, I'm super interested to get into more of this. But for those who don't know you, can you give us a little bit of information about who you are, or what you're working on right now? Yeah. So Robert Wright, I am what I characterize myself as a private label law attorney. Now, when I went to law school, there's they don't take a course in private label law. But uh, over the course of, of my career, kind of hanging my shingle, you know, started with actually the first virtual law practice here in Kentucky. You know, mm. when I launched and this is really kind of speaks to my entrepreneurial journey. But when I decided to hang my shingle, I didn't want to go the traditional route. I, I kind of looked around the legal landscape and it seemed to me that there were you know, kind of the big traditional brick and mortar law firms, or there was kind of the do it yourself legal zooms of the world. And it seemed to me there could be a nice in between where someone could leverage technology, you know, get access to, to counsel via the internet, uh, you know, but, but not have to do it themselves, right? They wouldn't have to go down to a traditional brick and mortar law firm. They didn't want that. They didn't need that, but they didn't trust themselves to kind of complete forms and answer questions and that sort of thing. So really, you know, I launched my practice trying to bridge the two um, and early days cast, a, cast cast kind of a broad net uh, you know wanted to capture all sorts of entrepreneurs or small business owners you know was doing you know contracts and even wills every once in a while trademarks copyrights that sort of thing uh, and it was fine it went, it went well enough but over the course of time really started to niche down the practice for a couple of reasons one I'm a big believer in niching down and really figuring out who you want to serve and serving them in the best way possible. Uh, but then also it's just more fun. Like I don't yeah. like doing wills. I don't want to do wills. Uh, it, it, great. If you need one, I'm happy to refer you to somebody, not my, not my cup of tea, but I love trademarks and I love copyrights and I love, you know, helping people form businesses. And so started to really kind of niche down and, and wrap the practice around that. Interestingly enough, like as I'm kind of out there educating folks on, on all those things, people started coming through my online doors and it wasn't about, I need a trademark registered or can you help me get this copyright filed? It was literally, you know, can you get me brand gated? Can you get me brand registered? Um, someone stole a buy box from me. I've been hijacked. And I'm, I mean, it opened up this whole new world for me. I'm like, what in the world are you talking about? Mm -hmm. I mean, I literally, I'll never forget the, the early days. I got a Facebook messenger from a friend and, and it, the, the message was, I've been hijacked, can you help? I mean, I was ready to call the police. I'm like, is this guy in the back of a car somewhere? Like, what, what is this? Is that, do I need proof of life? And what it was, it was all about Amazon stuff, right? About the mm -hmm. same time, like people were just flocking to Amazon, you know, launching physical products, you know, researching a market, you know, sourcing a product in China, putting it on a plane or a boat, you know, wrapping a brand around it and getting it into Amazon. And, and just all this Amazon specific stuff started finding its way into my practice. Uh, and, and I thought, man, I don't, I don't know anything about this, but it sounds fascinating. So I actually, to serve my clients in the best way possible, like started doing it myself. So I have a private label brand I sell in the States oh, wow. and I sell throughout Europe. Um, and I do so one, because it's a cool business model. But secondly, like if someone comes to me and they say, Hey, my, my, someone stole the buy box or, you know, someone stole my product photos. Like I get that. Like I've had it happen to me and it hits you in the heart and it's a really big deal. Right. And mm -hmm. so. Uh, you know, about a year and a half, two years ago, I just said, you know, 
and I, and I still support just kind of general e-commerce uh, sellers as well, but like I wanted to, to really hang my hat on Amazon and do what I call this private label law, which is what I do now. So it's been been kind of a fun journey uh, and, and certainly you meet some interesting characters and, and I've got some interesting stories along the way, but it's it's been good, it's been fun. Yeah, it sounds super interesting for a variety of reasons, and, and I definitely want to dig into some of those yeah. stages along the way. Rob, can you tell us, like, did you start in the practice of law? Did you go right from kind of undergrad to law school? And, and, and then if so, kind of what was that first step into your professional career? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's interesting. I, uh, you know, I was one of those people, you know, I went to college initially thinking I was going to be, I wanted to get a psychology degree for whatever reason. And I took psych 101 and I'm like, yeah, this isn't for me. I, I don't like this. But I, in my, my final year of high school, uh, I, I took a you know just basic civics course or basic government course, really kind of liked that. And so I thought, okay, well, I'll give that a try. Um, ended up taking a government class, really liked it in college. That led to a constitutional law class, really loved that. Then it went to an international law class. I mean, I'm just, I'm geeking out about law. And so it was pretty easy for me to to decide in undergrad, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go to law school. And mm -hmm. uh, so I went straight into it. In hindsight, I probably would have taken a little bit of time. I was so very focused on just let, let's get it done. Let's get it done. Let's get it done. You know, I was I was fortunate. A lot of folks in law school with me had, you know, kind of prior careers. They had taken a long winding path to get there. And uh, they just had experience that I didn't have. They had perspective that I didn't have as somebody that was just really wet behind the ears straight from undergrad into law school. But, but mm -hmm. that was the path that I took. And so I went straight in. Um, while I was there, yeah, I, all of this was kind of happening around the heyday of Napster, right? Like we were huh. every, the internet was becoming what, it, what it's ultimately become. And we're sharing music with friends and downloading videos and streaming you know, movies and that sort of stuff. Uh, and I was just fascinated by all that stuff. You know, I, uh, I very much was a believer that, you know, the, what do they teach you the first day of kindergarten, right? You're supposed to share with your friends, right? And so, you know, I'm just sharing music with all my friends on this Napster thing. And what's so wrong about that? And so as I, as I went into law school and, and I'm like, okay, I love the law, but what do I want to practice? What do I want to do with it? All of this was really top of mind for me. And so I started digging into copyrights and trademarks and patents and of course, that leads you naturally to kind of entrepreneurship because those are the sorts of folks that are, you know, having to navigate those sorts of, of issues and uh, quickly realize you're not sharing with your friends when you do that. You're stealing from artists and record labels and all the all the yeah. hard work that goes into that. So quickly divorced myself of, my, of the notion that it was just sharing with friends, um, but but just thought, man, I, I really love that. But I also had a little bit of, of an academic in me. Uh, and so, so I actually started exploring becoming a law professor. So I started hmm. you know, kind of checking the boxes that you need to do that. So published in law journal and clerked for a judge and ultimately went off to get a master's of law degree. And so within about a year of me, uh, uh, me being out, I mean, I was interviewing with law schools and I mean, I, you know, a year prior, I'm sitting there as a, as a student. Um, most of the law schools that I interviewed with were like, listen, you're great and all, but like go off and be an attorney for a little bit. You need a little bit of seasoning. You're, you're, right. you're moving too quickly through this. Uh, and so it went off and uh, ended up working for uh, the University of Louisville for a short period of time, negotiating mm -hmm. deals for them. Uh, then worked for a Fortune 50 company for a little while, negotiating contracts, and then ultimately decided to hang the shingle and said, you know, I just, I want to do this. I want to go all in. And, and you know, these are the 
types of people I want to serve. This is kind of the, the gap that I see in the market that I want to fill. Uh, you know, let's let's rip the bandaid off and, and uh, try entrepreneurship. So that's that was the journey. Very cool. And I can definitely relate to that. That first part. I also went right from undergrad to law school and uh, ended up making a lot of friends with people in their mid to late 20s, even early 30s. Yeah. And there's definitely a difference there. Right. I, I definitely is. was not as, I was not immature, but definitely yeah. didn't feel as, you know, seasoned or, or, or mature as they were at the time, although I, I don't have any regrets uh, either. Yeah. So, Rob, what was kind of the tipping point to get you to that? I want to hang the shingle. And, and then what were kind of the first steps, even maybe before you actually hung it? Like, what was the lead up time? And the reason I ask is, you know, we have a lot of listeners that are working full-time jobs or thinking about yeah. diving in. And I like to kind of get into the nitty gritty of, you know, what went into that decision? What were some of those first yeah. steps? Did, did you quit your job one day and hop in the next? You know, did you start full time, uh, part-time? Take us through that transition, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. So it was very much a part-time thing at first. I mean, you know, is the, if I think about, you know, kind of the tipping point of what really pushed me that way, you know, getting a salary from a from a company is a very nice thing. It's it's a good thing, but it's also a very, um, uh, you know, binding sort of thing. I mean, you you know, if the if the company doesn't need you anymore, like you're just gone, right? You're a line item on a spreadsheet somewhere, and and that's that's a little bit disconcerting. Um, you know, there was very much I I had a feeling of wanting to kind of put my future in my own hands. Uh, you know, if I can't count on myself, if I can't bank on myself, then, you know, who, who can I bank on? Right. And so understanding that there were going to be challenges, um, you know, just that, that rationalization, that realization of I want to be in control as opposed to some faceless person that I'm never going to see kind of being in control of my career, my life, my family. Uh, it was just, it was, it was very uncomfortable for me. And that's really kind of what started getting me exploring uh, entrepreneurship. Now, obviously, you know, having a law degree, that was kind of a natural thing that I gravitated towards, right? Because I'm like, okay, well, what, what are my skills, right? Well, mm. I, I have legal skills. Okay, so what can I do with it? So then I really, I did, I started to kind of look around the market. And I'm like, you know, I could hang a traditional shingle, I could rent space, I could be down by the courthouse, I could do all those sorts of things. But how does that separate me from everybody else who does that? And, and you know this. I mean, mm -hmm. lawyers are, are largely a dime a dozen. I mean, here in the States, we just push people through law school. Some people want to be lawyers, some don't, but they end up you know, being lawyers anyway. And mm -hmm. it's just it's a very crowded market. So trying to figure out, OK, how can I stand out? How can I distinguish myself from every other lawyer out there? And so that was what really kind of pushed me. And I'm, I'm a huge geek and I love technology. And so the the whole virtual law practice thing was starting to kind of be a be a thing you know people had looked around they'd seen legal zoom and, and the success that it was having uh and you know there were a lot of lawyers kind of in my network that were trying to figure out well how do we how do we do that but it actually be a law firm and so started trying to really you know understand the particulars of that trying to figure out you know what do what would a client want would a client you know want to connect via a web conferencing tool? Would they want some sort of platform where you could chat back and forth? Or, you know, do they really, do they, do they want to sit down with somebody in an office? I mean, is this something that, you know, I'm going to be in my car and I'm going to be like a mobile lawyer, like running around and meeting with people? I don't know, but it really trying to, to somehow validate the market for what I was looking to do in, in the most efficient way possible. And that, that takes a little bit of time, right? You know, mm -hmm. because, 
Um, you know, I mean, you just, you, you can't just blanket a survey, you know, to people about that sort of thing. You got to kind of talk with people, you know, and, and mentors, uh, you know, kind of getting their perspective on it and just you know, kind of piecing that together. And I had a, I had a buddy who was, who was doing the, uh, launching the practice with me at this point. And, uh, that was a good thing and that we could kind of, we were inspired by one another. We would, you know, we get energy from one another as we were talking about ideas and bouncing ideas back and forth. Um, you know, but what we, what we ultimately didn't realize was this is a lot of hard work, right? I mean, I was very naive to think that we could just launch a website and then people would just show up at the website and, you know, you're just, you know, working for yourself and you're making money and you don't have to promote or market or do anything like that. Mm -hmm. uh, it was just a, it was, that was a real, if I had, if I think about early days, kind of that splash of cold water in your face, it was really, you know, we spent so much time on this, on this website. It was going to be so amazing. It was going to do this. And I mean, you know, champagne was going to fall from the heavens. Velvet ropes were in a part. I mean, this was the perfect website and it was crickets, man. Like yeah. nobody showed up and I'm like, uh, what do we do with this? And so that was when, that was when it got real for me of, okay, having a website's not enough. We've got to get out there. We've got to, we've got to network. We've got to promote. And that was, that was a journey. Um, mm -hmm. you know, cause, cause if I could go back and do one thing earlier, it would be learning a bit more about marketing, finding a mentor that knew about marketing. And I'm not talking about, you know, someone that specializes in, you know, pay-per-click ads or Facebook ads necessarily, but somebody that really, understands what I ultimately discovered was start with the person you want to serve, call them an avatar, call them an ideal customer, call them whatever you want to call them. Right. But mm -hmm. who are they? And then, you know, where do they hang out? What do they, what do they need? What are they talking about? Really understand your customer because if you understand your customer, then you can start to form a business around it. Um, mm -hmm. And that's something that frankly took years to discover. It's a really simple concept. When you say it out loud, you're like, well, of course you should do that. But you know, there's a lot of, I, I, at least in my journey, had to do a good, a good bit of fumbling in the dark to really make that discovery. Oh, yeah. I think that's a natural part of almost any entrepreneurial journey, which makes it so interesting. And, and I totally agree. I mean, I had a similar experience and I actually just wrote on Friday. We have the weekly uh, SG email I send every Friday mm -hmm. with just kind of some updates and, and what's top of mind. And I was talking about how underrated marketing is in general, but also especially in the startup scene where typically you don't see early, even mid-stage startups kind of hiring for or focusing on marketing, despite I think how beneficial and important it can be, especially today with the prevalence of social media and building your communities, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. so Rob, what was it that you ended up focusing on? Let's call it those first like three to six months. What, what were you doing yeah. You know, once once it kind of got real, as you put it, what were you doing, and what ended up working the the best for you? Yeah, so uh, you know, as I think about those first three to six months, it was really you know kind of throwing out everything we had created at that point. It was like, listen, this website, just having a website alone is not going to do it. And so there mm -hmm. was a little bit of a freak out sort of moment. And so I started really kind of digging around, and and that's where I started on this journey of well, you know, who do I want to serve? Right. Where are these people? Um, you know, where can I find you know my ideal customer? So I actually ended up doing a good bit of what I would call freelance work or freelance legal work, kind of on Upwork through the firm technically, but really, you know, people that were 
you know, looking for you know cost-effective counsel to help with the types of matters that that I uh, I could assist with, and it, that was actually really beneficial because it was putting revenue in my pocket, mm-hmm. but it was also that was the journey of my ideal client. It was people that they didn't necessarily have you know you know full coffers to go hire a traditional law firm. They didn't want the legal zoom, and I'm not picking on legal zoom, but just they are the platform in terms of mm-hmm. doing yourself. Um, and, and so really I started just interacting with, uh, inadvertently interacting with exactly the people that I wanted to serve and just started listening to them and asking them questions. Well, like, why would, you know, X number of dollars be too much for you for this service? Or, you know, at the trademark, you absolutely should be registering this, but what's holding you back from doing the registration and just really trying to, you know, get into their mindset, learning what their objections were so that I could then go off and craft offers that would, you know, hopefully overcome those objections and, and kind of, you know, meet what they need in a way that they needed it. Mm-hmm. Um, also, would you recommend time, oh, really quickly, Rob, would you recommend Upwork to either other lawyers or just any other service providers? Because I've definitely heard mixed mixed reviews. Some say good, some say bad, some say for a little bit, use it. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's it's kind of a mixed bag in my, in my mind. I mean, I cut my teeth a good bit on Upwork, so I, I don't have anything, I largely don't have anything but a positive experience with it. And I know the platform has changed a good bit over the over the years. Um, I, I think it's I think it's good in that, especially if you're yeah, you've, I mean, this is a side hustle sort of thing. You're thinking about entrepreneurship, but you're not, you know, really sure if it if it's for you. I think Upwork and similar services like that are a really good way to cut your teeth, find some clients, see if you like it. You know, I mentioned that you know my, uh, you know, I had a buddy that was you know initially launching the firm with me. He pretty quickly decided, you know, it just wasn't for him. He he liked the comfort of a more traditional nine to five, you know, fixed hours, you get some vacation time sort of thing, just, just mm-hmm. wasn't for him. And so I think that that early experience of, I think it's easy to romanticize working for yourself and having clients and that sort of thing. But it's also, you know, it's a lot of work too, right? You got to mm-hmm. be able to deliver, you got to be deli- be able to deliver in a way that, you know, the client expects you need to be able to deliver in, you know, for a, for a cost that, uh, is going to meet their budgetary needs. I mean, there's you're running a business, and and there's a lot of fun parts of running a business, and there's a lot of not so sexy parts of running the business, and mm-hmm. you know that's that's the game. And so early days, uh, you know, something like you know freelancer or Upwork or something like that. I think it's actually a, a nice kind of test bed, um, and it's also it's also pretty pretty low risk in terms of you do a project, okay, it's not going well, you know, deliver it, and then maybe you're done with it, and you go off and, and find something that you like doing a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so I, I would, I, I really would recommend, I think long-term, I think it's difficult to make a living on it, just relying on a single platform like that only because my experience has been most of the folks on that platform, they're looking for a deal, right? They're looking mm-hmm. for a bargain. Um, and, and so you've got to kind of be willing to do work at maybe le- a lesser rate than you ordinarily would, you know, but sure. As I say that, I think, you know, there were, a couple of really nice large clients that I still have uh, that grew from Upwork work. So really, you know, I, I think if you go in eyes wide open, you 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 know kind of take it for what it is and understand that you know what people are leveraging it for, and you're willing to do that. I think it can be a really good thing to kind of jumpstart your business for sure. 
Awesome. And so then where did things evolve to from there? Did, did your partner stay on? Did, did you know, how, how did the firm and, and its first iteration or, you know, kind of the Upwork side project, how did all of that evolve to where we are now? Yeah. So, you know, started uh, the, my partner um, again, kind of decided, you know, did it for a little while and just what he wasn't cut for it. And it, so mm -hmm. it was a, it was a, it was a very nice breakup, right? You know, mm -hmm. you always hear these horrible stories about, you know, businesses imploding and partners fight. It was literally none of that. It's like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. Okay, cool, man. I, you know, mm -hmm. all good. See you later. We'll hang out. We'll have, you know, beers together or whatever. And we still do. You know, he's a good friend. Um, but at that point it really, it put the, it was refreshing in a way because all of a sudden it wasn't the two of us doing this thing and, Hey, what do you think? Should we do this? Okay. No, maybe we shouldn't do this. Like the back and forth cut down and it was literally, it was, it was my way or the highway. It was me, you know, either fail or succeed. And that was, that was scary, but also very refreshing at the same time. And so I looked mm -hmm. at the practice and I said, okay, the will stuff, I'm not doing that. Uh, I, who do I want? I want to be about artists, authors, entrepreneurs. I want to do trademarks and copyrights. And I mean, I'm going to be so entrepreneurial focused, like that's, that's my niche. That's what I'm going to do. And so tweaked the, the firm to do that. And that's when things started to grow. Things really took off though, you know, kind of as, as soon as the website didn't go the way that we, you know, people just don't, it's not like field of dreams, right? If you build mm -hmm. it, but they come, they don't, that doesn't happen. Yeah. I started to network. And I started to hang out with other entrepreneurs and I started listening, you know, reading blogs and, and listening to podcasts and checking out YouTube and just trying to get in with other people, whether they were, you know, it didn't even have to do anything with a law practice. I mean, it was just, they were launching a physical products business or, you know, they were going to do a car detailing business or they wanted to be an infopreneur or, you know, they, they just wanted, you know, they wanted to do Uber, whatever it was, right. It was just people that were, hustling and grinding and trying to figure out this business thing with, you know, the same way that I was um, just networking with folks in that community, uh, sharing experiences, uh, this notion of giving value to get value. You know, one of my early uh, successes was I was in Noah Kagan's uh, entrepreneur from entrepreneur to entrepreneur Facebook group. And it's mm -hmm. literally, it's just a course he has about, you know, how do you make your first dollar? Like if you want to, to go into business for yourself uh you know here's here's how you do it it's a little course and there's a facebook community and uh i'll never forget i'm in this group and it was really me just kind of you know, scratching that entrepreneurial itch i wasn't even looking for to to get anything out of it but i would just see people ask the the most horrendous questions you know like hey i'm, a, I'm gonna go this guy hired me to paint his house uh i don't need a contract for that right i can just go paint his house and he'll pay me and it's all good i'm like no, man, you should probably get a contract. And I would just give them a little, you know, like just, just doesn't have to be fancy, but just get something, man, so you get paid. Or, uh, hey, I'm going to print some T-shirts and I found these awesome images on the internet. I can just copy and paste those on the shirts and sell them, right? I'm like, no, you can't because copyright is this. And so I literally just, I just, because I couldn't see people just do dumb stuff. I just started answering questions and that facility, you know, all of a sudden people started asking me, you know, proactively questions and that started a back and forth. And, you know, pretty soon I, I uh, in a very early days, there were uh, uh, Robert Ricky and Steven Summers over at Marketplace Superheroes were in that same group and they, they have a, you know, how do you sell on Amazon course? And we just started kind of talking back and forth and really hit it off. And 
you know, the next thing you know, I'm, I'm helping them with some stuff and then they're helping me with some stuff. And I mean, they mentored me on, on learning private label and, you know, kind of the rest is history in terms of, yeah, this is, I really want to do private label law because this is, it's interesting. The people are interesting. Uh, the, the business is interesting. Yeah. So really, if I, if I go back, it was, you know, get out there, cut your teeth, network with people that you want to hang with, learn from them, implement what you've learned to kind of grow and scale. Um, but it's a process. And I mean, I think if I think back to it, I really, that's the thing that resonates with me is that stuff doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's a long road and you've really got to be committed to it and you've got to be really confident in what you're doing. And if something's not working, you've got to recognize that and you've got to be able to pivot uh, kind of with the market. You know, I mean, I think about, you know, all this COVID stuff right now and, and all the businesses that if, you know, you look at the successful businesses and it's the ones that have said, oh, man, everything, everything's digital right now, let's pivot to digital. And they've been able to do it. Those, those sorts of folks are going to thrive, mm -hmm. um, you know, and they're making it up in real time. And that's, that's entrepreneurship at its finest is really just what are the conditions? What does the market look like? And pivoting. Uh, being willing to do that is uh, is crucial on the journey. Absolutely, yeah. It, it's a great answer, and it's funny because after doing, you know, now a few dozen of these, I, I definitely noticed some themes. One of them being, you're not the first guest. In fact, you're not even the second or third guest to have gotten a good ball rolling from a Facebook group. Um, yeah. In and of itself, and or something similar, right? Could be a Reddit threads, you know, or subreddit. Yeah. Uh, you know, in-person events, combination of all of them, but the importance of networking, I, I don't think can be highlighted enough, no okay. matter what you're doing or, or what industry you're in. Um, so that's really great. So Rob, what's, what's been, what do you think it took to kind of get, once the ball was rolling to kind of get mm -hmm. to the, you know, higher tier, like kind of like where you are right now, kind of, yeah. you know, it, it was great to hear kind of how you got the ball rolling what's been kind of like the last year or two kind of focused to get to where you're at now? You know, it, it's funny. It's addition by subtraction. Um, <laughs> you know, there for a while, I think as you're growing and scaling to whatever point you want to grow to. And, and you know, I, I'm quick to always kind of point out like, you know, bigger isn't always better, right? I mean, sometimes there's just a nice sweet spot where you're able to balance, you know, putting some food on the table, having time with your family and, and just, you know, your own personal interests, whatever you want to do. Um, you know, really for me, the last year and a half, two years has been, I don't necessarily need to be everything to everybody. Like mm -hmm. I want to zero in on just a handful of things that I do. I do really well. I serve my clients really well. And if it's not, if, you know, what I'm being asked is something that's not in that sweet spot, you know, referring it out or making a connection elsewhere or, you know, kind of basically turning away business, which early days, seems really counterintuitive because mm -hmm. we, we have this more and more and more, you've just got to feed the beast sort of mentality. But at some point in time, you know, I, I think we all owe it to ourselves to really kind of look around and ask yourself, okay, is, is number one, are those things that I want to do? Like, am I passionate about them? Or is it just, you know, just a revenue sort of thing? And, and, you know, I mean, there's sometimes a revenue sort of thing is fine and that's what you need. But you know, when you, when it's a really freeing, great experience when you're like, you know what, that would be great revenue, but I can, at the same time that I would spend doing that, if I put it over here, the investment's actually going to be X on, on whatever money's coming in the door for doing that service. 
Um, but really just kind of figuring out like in the universe of things that I do, what, what I want to do and how do I do them in the best possible way uh, that I can. I mean, just really, my goal is to, if you work with me, right, and you need a trademark registered, I'm going to be there with you throughout the whole process. And we're going to, we're going to, we're either going to nail it or we're not going to nail it. If we didn't nail it, it's not because you weren't, you know, informed and advised along the way. I mean, let, you know, I want to, if this is your brand, it's my brand, it's personal to me. Let's get that thing registered. Let's get you it, you know, brand registered on, on Amazon, like whatever your why is, let's nail it. And just being able to serve people in that sort of way, because I'm not pulled in a million directions and I'm not doing you know, this contract and this trademark thing. And then, you know, handling the settlement thing over here and the, the account thing over there, like really just kind of saying, here's my menu and I, it's a really good menu. And mm -hmm. if you don't want something that's on the menu, let me connect with you with somebody that can help you. It's um, been it's been refreshing. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally relate, and I think it's super important to figure out, kind of like you said, figure out your ideal client, figure out your ideal business, right? Do you want to yeah. keep it nice and small and niche? Do you want to yeah. build this, you know, global empire? And you'll probably have to stay up a little bit later at night, and you know the, yeah. the the pros and cons of each. But I was the same way with my practice. Uh, I did mm -hmm. one or two specific immigration applications, and that was it. And if it, yeah. it, I did them very well, and people knew to come to me for that, and if not, I would you know refer them out uh, very yeah. similarly. Um, and there's a lot of pros to doing it that way. Uh, awesome. So, Rob, I do want to spend the last few minutes talking about that topic that you are so knowledgeable knowledgeable about is the patenting and, and trademarking. Yeah. For those who have like no idea, let's say you know some of those people within that Facebook group, maybe can you give like yeah. a quick kind of definition or like a broad overview of of the practice and what you focus on? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so let me just talk about intellectual property generally because you know it's a buzzword, especially in the startup community, and everybody kind of knows. Oh, you've got to own your IP and intellectual property is everything. Intellectual property in and of itself doesn't really mean anything. It's a really broad umbrella under which you have you know four basic flavors, right? There's patents, there's uh, trade secrets, there's copyrights, and there are trademarks. Trademarks protect names, logos, and slogans. So I always think about Nike when I think about trademarks. There's Nike, the term, there's the iconic swoosh, mm -hmm. there's the tagline, just do it. It's your branding, like trademarks protect your branding. You know, copyrights protect original works of authorship. So, you know, if you're doing business online and you're selling physical products, your product photos, your sales copy, uh, maybe your retail packaging, you know, if you're an infopreneur, maybe you're created a course or, I mean, that's, that's copyrightable. That's something that I promise you is gonna be pirated all over the place. Even if it's the least successful Porsche you've ever launched, like somebody's going to copy it, throw it up on a server somewhere. And I was looking Friday, one of, one of my clients, you know, somebody's hawking their course for $25. So we got to, mm -hmm. we got to deal with that, but you know, copyrights protecting your, your original works of authorship. Patents, you know, two types are design patents, which protect the look and feel of an item, utility patents, which protect the utility or usefulness of an item. Uh, entrepreneurs get very, very, focused on patents and they, they certainly should, you know, my word of caution with patents is that it's a very expensive, patenting is a very expensive process. It's a very time consuming process. And if you are, you know, early days, you're a solopreneur, you're kind of, you know, still in that side hustle sort of mode, certainly be wary, aware of patents. And, you know, if you're coming up with something that's useful, that's new, it's non-obvious, you're going to want to explore that, but don't just jump to, to patenting. I mean, you're going to spend, 
you know, an easy 10 grand on a utility patent in several years. Mm -hmm. And oh, by the way, you're going to have to enforce it, you know, on the other side of that, and that's going to cost money too. And so, um, you know, just, just, you know, be, be aware of that before you, you go headlong into it. Right. Um, and then trade, trade secrets. I like talking about cause they're, they're fun, uh, you know, recipes, uh, mostly, you know, things like the formula for Coca-Cola, the, uh, mm -hmm. secret blend of herbs and spices for a KFC, Bush's baked beans, uh, all trade secreted, not a, not a ton of trade secrets in the, uh, in the entrepreneur world. Uh, but you know, they're kind of the black sheep of the IP family. And so I mentioned them just so that they're not the black sheep and that they're, you know, maybe you have a process or a methodology that's unique to you. And it's, it's certainly sensitive, uh, making sure you protect that, uh, through trade secret is, is a good thing to do. So, awesome. um, really as I, as I talk to, to folks, it's really, and help entrepreneurs, it's navigating those four different lanes. Um, and really most of the time you know, working with them to say, okay, these aren't distinct silos, right? So like whatever your, it is, whether it's a, it's an invention, it's a physical product that you bought off the shelf, it's a course, it's software, it's whatever it is. Well, figure out how many, how you can wrap all those layers of intellectual property protection that you possibly can trademarking the brand name and the, the, uh, you know, the, the, works of authorship aspect, whether it's the coding or the instruction manual, or you know, maybe it's the design on the t-shirt, whatever it is, like copywriting that. If there's a, if there's a useful, non-obvious way that the thing does whatever it does, exploring patents. You know, if it's designed in kind of a unique way, you know, maybe exploring a design patent on it, but really taking that it, treating it like the beautiful gift that it is and wrapping it in as many layers of protection as possible uh, instead of just one, if, if there's one mistake entrepreneurs make, it's it's that it's okay. I've got this thing. I can only trademark it. I've got this thing. I can only patent it. Really, that next level analysis is okay. How can I wrap it in as many layers of protection as possible, so that if one for whatever reason kind of fails you, you've got some fallbacks. Um, so really, you know, right. encourage folks, especially early days, to just understand what your it is, and then wrap it in as many layers of protection as possible. Got it. And, and that kind of segues into what, what I was going to ask about next, which is what are some common kind of uh, issues or mistakes you consistently have coming up? And then the other thing I'm curious about is when is kind of a tipping point where, where entrepreneurs should say, you know what, like my business, you know, I've reached a certain point or I've reached a certain yeah. level of revenue. Like when do they really take it seriously or, or book a call with you or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and those are great questions, right? Like I, I think, you know, it's, it's one of the tensions in entrepreneurship, right? Zuckerberg says, you know, we need, he wants people to move fast and break things. And, and there's certainly, you have to do that as an entrepreneur. You can't, I've seen too many people get bogged down and stuck in kind of the fantasy, fantasy of being an entrepreneur. You know, even I'm, I'm even a victim, right? Like, oh, let's get the perfect website before mm -hmm. we really get to, to, to launching the practice. You know, coming up with a, a business name or a product idea or putting together business cards or letterhead, like that, that's, that's fun. That's, that's not moving fast. You've got to move fast. You've got to break things. You've got to be willing to make mistakes uh, and kind of deal with the fallout from that. But to me, one of the biggest mistakes that I see entrepreneurs make is they don't, they don't treat their business seriously enough as soon as they should. You know, if I'm out there, I don't care if I've got a podcasting agency or I'm doing freelance photography for somebody or I'm developing a course or I'm washing, you know, I'm doing car detailing. If you're out there doing business, you should have a proper business vehicle that you're operating through. 
you know, whether it's a limited liability company here in the States, if you're in Europe, a limited company, if you're in Canada, you know, a federal corporation or whatever it is, like you need like a, a legitimate business vehicle to operate through. It doesn't have to be overly fancy. You don't have to invest tons of money in doing it, but right out of the gate, that's going to protect your personal assets, remove them from the field of play, and only your business assets are going to be at risk. I don't care where you are in the world. The structure is different, but the, the principles are the same. So having that, you know, just keep your personal stuff separate from your business stuff, form an entity, and then frankly, you're just going to be taken more seriously if you're operating as a legitimate business entity than just, mm-hmm. you know, Joe Smith at gmail.com, LLC or whatever. Like they're just just it adds an air of, of seriousness without a ton of a ton of cost. Um, so that's one big mistake. The other big mistake is really, you know, I think it's it's kind of we, we've all fallen into this copy and paste notion of the Internet that if something's out there, oh, well, we can just pull that from Google Images or we can just lift this from that particular ebook and put it in our own ebook. Or we can go over here and just take some of this course and, and plug it into our own. That, that's, that's really, really dangerous, right? I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's garden variety copyright infringement. And, and frankly, I think most people just don't know what they don't know. You know, early days, I had a lot of, a lot of people who did uh, you know, T-shirt sales on Teespring. They would kind of create a campaign, throw it up there and, you know, just if, if whatever the, the new cool thing was, they were, they were selling shirts and they did really, really well, but they inevitably were always just copying, pasting or getting so close to the line that they might as well have been copying and pasting. And just generally, if you're blatantly copying or really dancing around the edges, that's not going to be a great legal defense for you. Like just, there's a lot, originality's much more difficult than copying, but long-term it's much safer. It's also uh, a way to really distinguish yourself from all the other people that are selling a similar type t-shirt or a similar type ebook or a similar type course. Sometimes rolling up your sleeves and, and actually putting in the work with your own original thoughts, images, whatever it would be, uh, is, is really, legally it's always the best play, but from a business perspective, oftentimes it's the best play too. Especially early days when if you can figure out a way to validate whatever your offer is and then go off and create it without mm-hmm. the copying and pasting. That's a really easy kind of, you know, best of both worlds sort of fix. One, you know, you've got people already you know, signed up for the book or the course or the, or the whatever. And then, you know, you know, it makes sense to go out and create it and you can, you can create it originally and not worry about, you know, am I stealing somebody else's stuff? Right. Awesome. Yeah, great question. Uh, great answer, Rob. Just a, a couple last ones. I want to shift or, or ask quickly about kind of the personal development uh, side of things. Yeah. Uh, for one reason, because I, I always like to dip a little bit into the topic. And number two, I notice a few yeah. Tim Ferriss books uh, sitting up there behind yeah. you. So I, I have to ask. <laughs> Uh, you know, what were you relying on in terms of resources along mm-hmm. your journey and any, you know, any books that you that you highly recommend or stick out? As you can see, I'm no stranger to them. And so yeah, I always yeah, like yeah. to get a couple yeah. uh, a couple recommendations. Yeah. So I've always been I'm not as law school kind of kicked the reader out of me that, mm-hmm. that I used to have, um, you know, but I, I find myself just kind of, you know, chunking out pieces of books. And so uh, Ferris's Tribe of Mentors. I've found really, really helpful just being able to 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 kind of get quick, actionable guidance from people in a, a real different spectrum of of 
uh, subject matter expertise is, is mm -hmm. it's one of my favorites and that's why it's on the shelf. The four hour work week, obviously kind of a classic in terms of, you know, that's what we all aspire to of just kind of having the freedom that that, that book represents. Uh, but really in terms, what's been successful for me in terms of, uh, of personal development is, is mentorship and in and, and two different ways. One, connecting with people and being mentored by people that are more successful than me, smarter than me, and just really learning from them, watching what they do, um, you know, being humble that, you know, I don't know everything and these folks do and let me just learn from them. Mm -hmm. But then also kind of finding folks that, you know, are a little newer on the journey that, that no less than me and i don't mean that in, in a condescending way but they're just not you know they haven't yet traveled the path that i've traveled they're not that far along in their journey and so being able to i don't want to say teach that seems like a strong word but just share what what i know and what my experiences have been so that their journey might be a little bit smoother than mine was kind of that that twofold mentorship of learning from people that are smarter than you, that know more than you, but then also taking what you do know and sharing it with people and, and connecting people uh, that are earlier in the journey with, with folks in your network has been really, really helpful for me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I figure if you, you know, you know learning is the easy part, right? Like just listening and kind of being open to new ideas and how people think about things and how people do things. But then also if you're able to take that and then teach somebody else, well, then you really know it, right? And so right. It, it's it's kind of self-serving as, as I say it that way, but it really is of, of, you know, if I'm able to explain something to you, somebody that doesn't know it and they're able to do something with it, okay, good. That means I've got a pretty good foothold on it and, and I know it myself, which is, you know, beneficial to me. So mentorship, really huge, huge key in my journey. Yeah, and that, that's definitely been another theme that I've noticed uh, from, from a lot of our guests, uh, how important that can be. Awesome, Rob. Well, this has been uh, really great hearing your story, getting, getting a lot of these insights. Uh, if people do want to learn more about you, follow you specifically, or, or maybe they do need some of that uh, IP assistance, where do you recommend yeah. that they check you out? Yeah, check me out. You can head over to privatelabelprotection.com. So it's certainly a very uh, private label centric uh, website, which is which is what I do. So head on over. There's a, a bullet or a, a bulletproof your brand uh, and business template that you can download. Uh, so whether you're doing private, if you're doing private label, obviously it's 100% applicable to you. But generally, just if you're doing entrepreneurship in any form or fashion, kind of the steps that I've laid out in that blueprint are going to be really helpful for you. Really. As I work with clients, it's helping them protect their personal assets through a business entity, bulletproofing their brand with trademarks, weaponizing their works of authorship with copyright, and then safeguarding your sales with some tips and strategies for if you've done all that sort of stuff. Well, how do you enforce your rights? Uh, you know, again, private label selling is 100% applicable, certainly applicable to folks that are doing any sort of, of business online. So check it out. It'll, it'll be a little bit wiser for the wear if you do. Awesome. Great, Rob. Well, thanks again for uh, for coming on the air. We uh, we really yeah. appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Hey, everyone. Josh here. Checking in just one last time. Wanted to say thanks so much for listening to the podcast episode. I hope you got a ton of value out of it. And if you want to keep getting more of the Solopreneur Grind content, make sure to join the email list. What I do is send three emails a week with additional content, such as what's going on in the background of my Solopreneur journey, insights I'm having on business and updates when new podcast episodes like these come out as well. 
It's free. It always will be. The link to join is in the description of whatever podcast platform you're listening this to on. Really hope to have you on the list and continuing to share these awesome solopreneur journeys and insights with you as well. Have a great day and hope to see you soon.